Hi, I'm Jamie Winkup. Hi, I'm Dick Johnson. Hi, I'm Garth Tander. You're listening to the V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. 2013 has seen the introduction of a new generation of car. This week on the V8 Insiders, we look at what Pit Lane has thought of the rollout and what have been the fragilities. Are we going to have to have a compulsory pit stop for an hour and a half at Bathurst at lunchtime to change the gearbox? I don't think so. It's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Hi, this is Will Davison from the Pepsi Max Crew for Performance Racing and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. Over the next five weeks, the V8 Insiders will have a series of special programs focusing in on various aspects of the sport. This week we look at the new generation of V8 supercar and some of the fragilities that have been found which are currently being worked through. First, James Warburton spoke to the V8 Insiders about his first 100 days in the CEO job in which he has secured the future of all three Queensland raceways and put Twilight Racing firmly back on the agenda. We asked him how much more is he hoping to achieve. Oh, look, we've said all along that uh, the business really needs to consolidate and uh, that's uh, obviously what we're doing at this particular point in time. Uh, we've got a long way to go. We've got some very good television numbers, the viewing's up and as I said, you know, this product is fantastic. So I'm a very lucky guy in terms of what the company has to work with and we've just got to make sure we uh, make every post a winner. After the break, we look at the new generation V8 supercar for Nobrac carbon fibre products. Check out the entire range today at www.nobrac.com.au. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Craig Lance. You're listening to V8 Insiders. This week on the V8 Insiders, we find out how the new generation car is settling in. Chris Lambden is the V8 Supercars Independent Commissioner and I asked him at Queensland Raceway when they were going to stop calling the car the car of the future. Actually, that's a very timely question because I think it's just ended. Uh, Literally in the last period of time there's been discussion on that. You're dead right, it's no longer. It's the car of now and there's not much point in calling it that so I don't know, it'll end up... It's under discussion and I think it might be the Gen 2 
supercar or something like that and uh, you know one day down the track there'll be another car out of the future. With the Enduros almost upon us the parity between all the manufacturers has been a focus for many on pit lane. Currently the overhead cam engines of the Erebus AMG and the Nissan are not getting the fuel economy of the Ford and Chevy power plants. Kim Jones from Brad Jones Racing told the V8 Insiders that making changes when the rules were clearly stated at the start of the year is fraught with danger. Yeah, look, it's a very difficult thing because people have come into the sport and they expect to be front-running and and all those sorts of things. But if you have a look at you know where the teams were that they where they were running last year, you know, there's not a lot changed. Some some parts of it, people have improved their position in the field. Uh, some haven't, uh, but as you said, everyone had the same rule book at the start of the year. Everybody agreed to go and play cricket. Don't take your bat and ball and go home just because you're not achieving where you need to achieve. And and I think this weekend's a great indicator that uh, with hard work as as they've done at Erebus, um, they're moving forward. And so the fuel economy thing, yeah, it's probably a little bit tough. Um, I'm sure if they get better fuel economy, we'll be pinging them back. But everyone's known at the start that it was to be in parity with the with the current cars, as, as the current baseline was the Ford and the Holden, and uh, so they they need to suck it up and get on with it. When the V8 Insiders spoke to Adrian Burgess in early August, he was satisfied with how the V8 supercars were managing the needs of the different manufacturers' performance at that time. Um, I mean, at the moment, I am. If you the day of this interview then yeah then I'd say uh, we're happy at the moment but I mean a lot of things can change uh, up, up to leading up to the race but what people have got to remember is that you know this the sport has been running in this format for a long time as a category okay the, the car is new this year and on all the issues that those manufacturers are dealing with um, are things are challenges that the the teams all individually have gone through in the past already you know fuel consumption uh, yeah, all, all these all these other areas of reliability, all these things are things that we've all had to deal with and we've all spent a lot of time and energy and, and resources on trying to do the best job that um, that we can with those um, in those areas. So, I mean, they're, they're really processes that those teams need to go through to, uh, to make sure they're as competitive as us. And the, we, we have to be careful we don't, we're not handing out... Um, uh, favours or, or uh, changing rules um, without due consideration, and that's a very complex, uh, very complex formula that needs to be put in place. And I mean, we have a parity formula for you know, aerodynamics and and all these other parts of the car. Uh, the fuel consumption is the main one, and that's something that can easily change from one month to the next next month with some with some good development and and lateral thinking and. So you've got to be careful if you hand something out that you need to be able to bring it back um, in very quick notice if all of a sudden their situation changes because all of a sudden you then create a platform which isn't equal for everybody. Um, they could easily you know, take a jump on the Ford and the Holden teams that have already spent their money. So it's a very uh, complex discussion, that one, and um, one which yeah, we're happy to help, but it needs to be very uh, calculated and... Um, very process-driven discussion and decision that's made at the end of it. Although the Nissan engine is reportedly significantly down on fuel economy, Todd Kelly thinks that they are now getting reliability 
from the Nissan engines. Now that we've, we've rectified all those earlier teething problems with the engine, we're uh, probably in a position where our engine would do more Ks between service uh, than what our Holden engine did last year, which is fantastic. Gary Rogers has always been outspoken when he sees areas of the sport that he doesn't like, but when it comes to the new car and the way it's developed, he's very positive. I think each meeting you learn a little bit about the difference in these cars as versus the cars that we had, and certainly they have been a little bit fragile in certain places, but we've all, we all seem to have gotten on top of that. Kim Jones believes that it was the right time to change to a new car, and now that it's arrived, he is confident that it was the right decision. Um, from BJR's point of view, it's a perfect thing to have the new cars come along and, and certainly give us a, a level playing field and come out of the box jumping. But when you take each component on the car and look at it, um, the old cars had a lot of development in them and um, had a lot of mileage or race mileage. Um, so we knew what was going to break, when it was going to break and changed it hopefully before that happened. The new car, every time you take it out of the box, you're learning. Every circuit you go to is new. Um, we, as BJR, have only done one test day so far this year. So, and, and when you take that into constraints with the time in between races, there's not really a lot of time for development. And sure, they did some miles with the cars last year, but we're finding now that we're actually racing them, there's lots of other things that aren't up to scratch or... Um, we have to learn and, and change the way around. You know, the gearbox is a perfect example, and, and it's a very difficult thing to have the Hollinger gearbox and the gearboxes that we've had in the past um, have come through with transitions and, and have been fairly strong, probably over-engineered items. Um, and then you've gone to a new manufacturer who hasn't actually built a road race gearbox yeah. before. Uh, you put the gearbox in the back, so you've incorporated the diff in it, and it's just a whole new package, and it's, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, you know, are we going to have to have a compulsory spit, pit stop for an hour and a half at Bathurst at lunchtime to change the gearbox? I don't think so. But it, it's about learning the cars. And, you know, 30 years' experience in the old car, and then you boil it down to, you know, we haven't run for 12 months yet. So it's... And, and there's lots of different things that are different. You know, we've gone to a different chassis configuration... Um, from what we've had in the past and everything's set so you can't have your own little tweaks and if you find something that's cracking just gusset it and and fix the problem it it has to go back to V8 supercars and have to look at it and make sure everyone's having the same problem and and then you might get a fix so um, right from the from the basic ground part of the car which is a chassis through to the hang-on components all around the joint um, bumper bars and you know we've Holden have got a new model so we're we, we actually, instead of using a carbon fibre bumper, we, bumper bar, we use a, um, an injected moulded plastic bumper bar, so we've got to make all new moulds and stuff for that. So it just escalates all the way through, and there's only so many hours in the day. Um, but, but we'll get there, and you know the cars are fairly strong. I'm sure that they'll do Bathurst. They've done every race so far. Um, yeah, we've had problems, and people have had little hiccups, but very few component failures that have stopped the cars. Um, some of the understanding what's going to get damaged when you have an accident, you know, all those sorts of things. It's all new. It's a, it's a learning curve, and it's invigorated the sport again, and having the new manufacturers and all those sorts of things has made it much more interesting for our consumer. Um, it's made it much more interesting up and down pit lane, you know, where we're at Ipswich now, and you've got the Mercedes-Benz on the mark, um, but then they use more fuel, so... It, but I'm sure that, you know... 
evolution will show that, that it'll be a good, a good package and it'll all work well in the end. Jeff Slater is the chief engineer at Techno Autosport and he talked about the settling in that teams are experiencing with the new platform. It's interesting to come from, as you say, we've, we've come from years with a, a stable platform to something new. It's interesting how engineers have tried attacking different ways of getting the car to perform, and you know, it, it's challenging. I mean, our cars are good into corners. You know, Brad Jones and um, FBR cars are good out of the corner, so you know, it's something we need to work on getting out of a corner. They need to work on getting into a corner. The area where fragility has been found is the transaxle gearbox. Todd Kelly talked about how changes can be made in the new generation of car. The gearbox is a little bit harder to um, to try and move that fast on because you need to make new components and then run anywhere between one you know one and eight thousand k's to, to know whether uh, there's been an improvement. So um, that that'll be a longer process, but it'll it'll get sorted out. And given that it's the same thing, it's a complete new component uh, for the category, and it's a very unique. Um, category and workload for a gearbox um, in V8 Supercar, it's, uh, it's done a pretty good job. We've heard of drive shaft and transaxle failures. That's a standard component. Is that a, just a, once again a product that it's the first year? Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, in, uh, in another six months from now, I'm pretty sure that we will have forgotten that any of these things were ever a problem. Um, and it doesn't matter what you do. If you, if you have something absolutely brand new, um, every component in, in the gearbox, for example, has never seen a V8 supercar really until, uh, until they threw one in and did a bit of testing and now there's a whole category racing on them. So there's bound to be little bits and pieces, but um, there's not, you know, uh, since the first few rounds, there's not been anything that's prevented anyone from finishing a race. Um, we've had a, a quite a good run on ours. It's just um, like our engine, the service intervals are quite frequent while you're learning what the limits are and what, what things need to be modified. So the guys at Auburn's with the gearbox have worked uh, extremely hard on that and been extremely proactive and, and communicating to the teams extremely well. So, uh, you know, the, what they've displayed, their professionalism to date in trying to trying to sort it out is um, outstanding so with that um, you know I'm pretty sure it'll get sorted out pretty quick. Jeff Slater agreed that the transaxle still has some work to be done on it. I mean definitely the rear end is probably the weakest part as I said our front end is pretty much identical to what we had last year Uh, the the chassis itself seems stiff enough I mean look at Scott Pye's damage that he's had walked away so top marks for that but uh, the rear end does have some frailties to it. And, and that's one frailty that it does have. I mean, the transaxle and how we've never run that before. So, uh, yeah, the rear end probably is the area that needs to be examined closely. But it, it's going all right at the moment. After the break, we look at other parts of the new generation car. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing. V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Hi, I'm Alex Prema from the Fujitsu JRM team, and you are listening to the V8 Insider. 
this year we've seen a number of incidents that have required cars to be put back on the jigs to be straightened. Scott Pye's impact at Simmons Plain saw the Equal Commodore out of the following weekend's event in New Zealand. Nissan Motorsport was able to use their equipment to repair the car, but did Todd Kelly and his team learn anything from having the car in their workshop? No, not really. I mean, it's all we're quite fortunate that we've got a you know we build all our own cars, so we've got a, a jig and all the equipment and personnel to to do anything. So um, it doesn't matter what you do to the car, you know we can get it back and cut it up, cut a car in half and put a whole new half on it if you have to. Um, so you know little things like. Uh, the, the stresses that go through the chassis with cracking and bits and pieces like that, you know, this car's been really, really good. You could hard, hardly fold it. So, um, you know, I don't think, uh, in all, I don't think there's anything to really complain about with whether it be the, the chassis, the, the electronics, the gearboxes. You know, I think uh, given it's all brand new, it's been a, a really good run. The following event in New Zealand, Scott McLaughlin's car hit the wall, which saw him out for the rest of the weekend. But Gary Rogers believes that the cars are more as resilient than it may appear from the outside. I think when you consider what little time we've really had to race the cars and the time span that we built them in, I think they've been really, really good. But like everything, I mean, the, the great part is that the few little um, fragility issues, for, for the want of a better word, I think most teams are onto that now and, and I think have made the, the sensible sorts of modifications so as the cars will be able to go the distance, you will be able to bang the walls and do a few things that religiously we've, we've always been able to do uh, without then ending your day's racing. I mean, the old cars, you can bang another axle in and away you go. Well, I think we're, we're starting to get in trouble today. Both Adrian Burgess and Gary Rogers are happy with the way V8 supercars are handling the review process when teams raise potential problems with the new car. Uh, at the moment, yes. I mean, it's the same thing. You know, V8 supercars are a team, one well, not a team, they're a business as well, and the people and the resources they've got at their disposal, um, yeah, they're, they're doing a good job. And uh, people shouldn't underestimate the size of this task. You know, to get four manufacturers on the grid and a fifth one on the way, and try and really create an equal platform is isn't an easy process. But um, you know, the, the Mercs and the Nissans are showing um, they're showing their form. And, you know, they're coming on strong. They're, they're getting closer with every event. Um, and that will continue and you know I, I think the process has been good I think the supercars are doing a good job in that area and um, it's easy to criticise but you shouldn't really criticise unless you've got all the facts in front of you I think so it's not fair on, the, on those people there oh, I think that's probably a really strong point because I mean it's not like someone's trying to get a mechanical or a technical advantage out of it. I mean, you know, if a wishbone's not strong enough or, a, um, you know, a steering rod is maybe too fragile and it's, it's a benefit to all the teams, I don't see any disadvantage in that at all. And that line of communication, I think, is very strong. And you think it's been well done so far? I do. And I've got to say, I was a critic of it. So I'm probably one of the few really strong conversion uh, examples. Here's Kim Jones's thoughts. Yeah, look, you got to... Someone someone has to be the bad ogre that says okay this is what you're going to have and we all have choices and at the start of the year you look at the rule book and you go yep I reckon I can compete with this or this I'm that stupid this is all I can do in our case um, so you got to you got to pick up the bat and go and play um, not everyone's going to get everything right the first time you know we keep talking about how how good the old cars were but 
they weren't good at the start. <laughs> you know, if people are old enough to remember back to when they first started running them, there wasn't a lot of them used to finish races. So um, I'm sure we'll get it right. It's just understanding it. It's understanding, you know, it's it's like getting presented a new problem at school and, you know, it's a arithmetic problem. You don't really understand how you're going to get to the end. But when someone shows you it's not too hard or you muddle through it yourself and then it, it usually sticks in your mind um, but but it is quite different it's 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 hard to get your way head around it v8 supercars do as soon as there's a problem they're quite reactive with it um, they listen to everybody's point of view and then go make their own decision be it good or bad but you've got to live with it and someone has to do that and and that's you know there's a commission there's a process in place and it seems to be working better than it has in the past um, and uh, you know is it right i don't know you don't get everything right in life um, do we have a choice? Not really. Is it making for Benny Racing? Yeah, I think it is because we're having different winners and different people at the front and uh, you, you turn up at a different place and somebody else is faster. And, and we're in the entertainment business. We're not in the V8 supercar racing business. Um, and whatever makes the package more entertaining for our consumers, hopefully it'll bring more people through the gate, more people watch it on TV. And it moves on, you know. I'm a believer, I'm a motorsport fan. I believe this is the best touring car category in the world. Um, and, you know, it's quite a good thing. And I don't think we've disadvantaged it by doing what we're doing. It's cost a lot more money than what we thought it was going to. But I think at the end of the day, and especially from BJR's point of view, it's been a bit of a godsend. After the break, the Munro white flag lap, and we'll find out the differences between the top engineers of today and the old guard. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Jonathan Webb from Techno Autosports, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lap, brought to you by Munro Shock Absorbers, we find out the difference between book learning and old-school mechanicking. Jeff Slater of Techno Autosports is the only engineer in pit lane that has a Masters in Engineering. I asked him if others look at him with more respect than the mechanical-based engineers. I think it's the opposite. I think, I think I'm frowned upon in pit lane. Spend way too much time at uni. When you have got so much of that basic engineering principles stones they were all feel touch guys and you come in and go my god that's not going to work uh it's difficult i mean motorsport has predominantly been the the touch feel a lot of hands-on a lot of the engineers are actually mechanics who have a lot of hands-on experience and and guys who have come through uni don't have that they can see certain characteristics i think the biggest thing having a, a, a background coming from engineering is your problem solving skills that is the the strongest thing that I can recommend. If you do go to the uni, you do have a strong problem-solving ability. You can sit down, you can look at all avenues and figure out which one that you're going to attack. And if it's wrong, which direction to go to improve it. I mean, we all make mistakes and sometimes we do go the wrong way, but uh, 
Well, when you when you come from a and nothing wrong coming from the mechanical background, that but you try and keep it simple as you can. Kim Jones is definitely from the old school. He looks at his role he has today very differently to what he used to do. Uh, my my answer is probably to the second part of that question because I don't have anything to do with engineering the car. I get the money and everyone else spends it nowadays. Um, look, that's just progression in life and. Um, looking at squiggly lines and understanding how to play games on computers and all that sort of stuff, we employ six or seven of those um, at exorbitant rates. No, not really. They're all worth every cent that we pay them. Um, the, the guys, uh, uh, the engineering part of the part of the business is just expanding like you wouldn't believe. You know, these are the first cars that BJR has built in-house, so we build everything basically ourselves. Um, we got some intellectual property off Triple Eight with areas that we thought were a bit deficient, which has actually helped us along. Um, but the engineers and, and looking at the CAD and understanding all that stuff, you know, when I when I first started racing, I used to have a Sammy Seiko stopwatch and squealy pieces of paper with with my handwriting, which no one else could read, and I couldn't read it after 12 months anyway. Um, and we'd come away with maybe, I don't know, two or three A4 pages of, of notes at the end of the day that were worth something. These guys get about 20 reams in 30 seconds from the data. That's all we have time for this week on the V8 Insiders. As the check flag waves over another edition. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.